the problem is I, I, I think that you don't really understand that there's now that this is going out to a public audience it's mm. a bit of a different thing to it just like being in amongst mm. our friends and I like our friends know that I'm not a Lib Dem yeah. but when we're yeah. putting this out and anyone can listen to it I don't want mm. that to go out into my public profile mm. we I mean I, I, I'm sure that I'm sure that people know that we're not being I seriously I mean there's nothing I mean no judgment I I used to I I have nothing against the Lib Dems I know I, I, I have no I not I no, honestly like I just I, I used to be I used to be incredibly ignorant and childish too. For fuck's sake, we <laughs> so we live in central Manchester. I, I don't think if imagine if one of the fucking council candidates gets wind of this. Do you know do you understand the level of deforestation that's gonna take place as they try to print out enough fucking materials in order no, to try and get me to join the stupid I party? See, I, I see I see what you're saying. So I mean and, and we, we can we can cut this out. No, Wait, no, you're not recording, are you? No, 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 we no, I'll just uh, just uh, make a okay, so, good. Um, just cut this out later. One, one minute. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. The mics, mics are off. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what you? So what can I do right now to make this better? I think just never I... make mention of me and the Lib Dems in a recorded forum again. Would be quite good. I... Listen, I know that you think it's a funny bit, but I just there's there's a certain standing that I want to have out in the public sphere, and I don't feel like that's being respected at the moment. I, I mean, I at no point said I thought any of this was funny. I was just being purely descriptive. But if that's if you feel that I've crossed a line, I understand. You would not. You you need. I think to maintain this friendship and the integrity of the show, I need to stop making fun of your political affiliations, and I accept that. I... <sighs> Whatever happened to ASMR? For fuck's sake. We're basically saying the same thing. I... I understand I need to stop making the claim that you are a member of the Liberal Democrats mm-hmm. if yeah. we are to carry on doing this. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm glad we've... Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad we've had this chat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still still friends? Y- yeah. Yeah. Still up for doing the rest of the episode? Sure. 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 Uh, yeah. Good. Good. I mean, I'm, I'm glad we got this out of the way up top. I mean, I had no idea that the Lib Dems felt this Mother- way. <laughs> oh, he's gone. He's gone. John's, John's quit the show. He's off. Yeah. now and then I'll do some reading in the next couple of days and before I put this out if there's any going to be any problems we'll cut this amazing but Apple Podcasts haven't accepted us so I, wow. do you 
do you email them? What it's, do you do? Is that, there like a customer I think service you thing? You stop being such a vanguard of the woke left. Yeah. I think that's the only. I mean, what is their current like political presentation? The Apple I don't know. Corporation. What what do they want us to think they are? I feel like they've they don't figure as majorly in kind of you know there's certain like. I feel like it's a lot of media empires that deal heavily in, like, this is the kind of politics that we are going to say that we are the sole champions of and, like, the sources of. I'm thinking a lot of, like, kind of just Marvel cinema and stuff like that and the, like, and Disney in general in the whole way of, like, we're going to, like, have representation. We're going to have the first gay character in any Disney film in this film and then also this film and then later on this film. But, yeah, Apple, I feel like, doesn't... I, I don't know as much about its, like, what it wants people to think about its ethics. I mean, it's kind of, it was super culturally ubiquitous, of, like, maybe, like, ten years ago, mm. up until the point where, like, kind of everyone's either got an iPhone or just has decided that they don't want an iPhone, and now there's not really much left for them to... I mean, maybe it was, like, it was probably Steve Jobs' death that yeah, maybe did it, like, yeah, kind of analogues for him with, like, Elon Musk and... Yeah. I wonder, yeah, whether that's just part of the, like their like marketing strategy at the moment is they realize there's no one that has enough of a like presence to really front the entire brand anymore yeah. and so they're just banking on it being like oh well, yeah everyone has an iphone yeah i mean they've got they've achieved market saturation and they're yeah yeah they'll, they'll be fine <laughs> financially speaking we think that apple are going to be okay yeah. as long as they don't upload our <laughs> podcast to their <laughs> podcasting platform they're virtually indestructible but, but yeah. So, but I mean, apart from that, so we recorded the first two episodes in one sitting and then released them two weeks apart for some reason. Indeed. Um, but yeah, that's been that's been most of the the hiccup so far is just their insistence that we shouldn't be allowed to preach our particular brand of hatred and yeah. dogma from there. Maybe it's just, maybe they require a body of work. Maybe it's the thing that you need to submit, like, a whole portfolio. It's, like, an um, art A-level or something like that. It's yeah. a big book you need to fill up with mm. lots of opinions before you're allowed. Yeah. I mean, we're on we're on Spotify, which everyone uses, right? Yeah. And then there's, like, what, Overcast and Podbean, which a couple of people use, and then... I think we got it covered. We're yeah. fine. I mean, I use Apple Podcasts, but I'm not going to listen to my own <laughs> podcasts on my preferred podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. fine. Maybe I just need to choose a different service phone. to use. Just choose a, a different, different phone. Yeah, entire brand of technology to look yeah. into. We don't have to worry about that for now, though. I mean, speaking of billionaires mm. and public profiles thereof. Sure. I saw a headline a couple hours ago that uh, Jeff Bezos is suing NASA. Because... (laughs) Why? Because they've contracted Elon Musk. Oh. Oh, dear. Which is good, because it gets us closer to my personal fantasy, which is still an unrealistic one, but the idea that both men are executed under the orders of President Joe Biden and we're allowed to wear their skin while we record episode four. I think that'd be fine. <laughs> oh, so you see this being as quite a close timeline. It's like... There's... Yeah, I think... I mean, who's to say that Joe Biden doesn't need a very quick political win after the withdrawal from Afghanistan and <laughs> he true. just executes two of the least, well, differently unpopular, but hopefully both generally unpopular men... Um, yeah, that he doesn't just execute them and reclaim their 
um, all their material wealth and then promise a bunch of stimulus checks that, that he doesn't deliver. That he then doesn't deliver and then keeps all the money. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that Joe Biden has turned to us specifically for kind mm-hmm. of political advice. It would yeah. be the first time we offered some yeah. in the form of executions. But. Hmm. Do you reckon it's the, it'll be the first time he skinned a person? No. no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How's your week been? <laughs> uh, I still not got part through the emotional wall presented by the start to Arsenal season that we I... had to sit through on Friday. We're <laughs> recording on Monday the 16th Yes. I, I don't. So Arsenal season hasn't started, so I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. We're... Our pre-season's been <laughs> shocking. No, it's been... I mean, we've lost... Have we, in our pre-season, which is extended into the start of the regular season, mm-hmm. we've lost uh, just about every London club in existence? Yeah, pretty much. So, I yeah. Think, I think that's the bingo card. You yeah. need to... We have Millwall and yeah. QPR to go. And yeah. then... Oh, don't forget Leighton Orient. Oh, no. They'll give us a thumping. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> Uh, I mean, does Wimbledon count? Is it within the catchment area? AFC Wimbledon for sure. Although yeah. Milton Keynes Dons could, there's <laughs> the old saying goes, any old Dons could do it. <laughs> but the yeah, it was compounded by the fact that while we lost to a team that's having its first season in the Premier League for 75 years, Tottenham Hotspur beat Manchester City. Yep, I mean. I think you're choosing to see this from a very negative perspective, as far as I can tell. But I'm, we can are you expect the, any less? Well, we're on the same points total as City, and if that isn't that is progress, true, yeah. I mean, yeah. the student is becoming the master. Although, even with that being the case, we are still below them on goal difference. <laughs> you can't ask for everything. Yeah. It's only it's been two seasons. Yeah. So come on. I mean, if we start the season below City, it means that we can't really bring ourselves to expect that we will finish above them. And so, like, if that was ever anyone's fever dream about like what might come from this season and yeah that's been extinguished at the, the yep. very start it's oh, we can only go up from here mm. is is positive <laughs> is a theoretical yeah, positive is a, a hypothetical yeah yeah uh, a pure, and it will remain purely hypothetical oh, the yeah. idea of us improving no this is we've, we found our level yeah and it's bottom but we've got so much else to talk about today yeah. haven't we yeah I think it was shortly after we recorded the previous episodes that there was the the news that Terry Pratchett's ghost had visited <laughs> um, the yeah. the dungeon headquarters of the LGB Alliance mm-hmm. and had um, yeah. Do you want to? Yeah, sure. I well, so this is like for for listeners of the podcast, this is probably a particular um, uh, bugbear of mine in the sense that like I am. Uh, it's probably unsurprising to learn a very big fan of uh, Terry Pratchett's work and uh, the Discworld series. And, um, yeah, just finding out. I mean, it's kind of, I, I will say, on the day that we are developing, it has kind of developed since then in terms of the, like, quote-unquote, gender-critical people and who they want to kind of co-opt into their movement and find allyship amongst. And so I feel like it was only a kind of a mild dalliance that they had with Pratchett in comparison to the apparent full-throated attempt to get the Taliban on board with <laughs> what they're attempting to do. But yes, no, the, um, I believe the whole thing with uh, uh, Pratchett was, it started from, um, there was, I think, something that Neil Gaiman uh, tweeted um, that was just pro-trans, um, which a bunch of turfs took a lot of exception to and then started to posit the idea that because Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett had worked on uh, a book together in the past, Good Omens, that 
all of the good parts of that must have come from Pratchett because Neil Gaiman was such a, like, yeah, just trans-supporting <laughs> bigot in these people's terms. Um, and so, yeah, effectively, like, kind of built themselves up from there and really just started trying to pull a dead author into their just circle of hell, basically. <laughs> um, and were very quickly told to just fuck off by everyone who had ever known him, who had ever, like trans people who had ever had any kind of um, any kind of interaction with him at uh, cons or things like that. Uh, there were plenty of accounts of how he had been, like, um, very respectful of kind of um, where people were still kind of deciding on their pronouns. He was, like, wanted to be very careful of, like, uh, how he would address them and stuff like that. And down to everything of, like, Neil Gaiman, a close personal friend of his, and, like, his own daughter hmm. saying that um, it wasn't just all within his wheelhouse and he like was very supportive of trans people and that would not be a surprise if any of these people had read any of his books because it is abundantly clear i know a lot of people have made kind of um uh references to the way in which he uses uh dwarves in his fantasy setting and how he kind of like plays off the joke that uh, exists i think in like um, a lot of Tolkien work, the idea that like all dwarves are male and how he like uses that within his books um, to kind of present uh, uh, an example of a dwarvish character that ends up in the big city mm -hmm. and decides to openly present as female and the kind of like challenge that faces through through that. And a lot of people have mentioned that there are there is an entire book that is just uh, about a series of people who are women disguising themselves as men to join the army and how they uh, grapple with their gender basically as they go through that so yeah it's just it's fucking laughable to me in the most unfunny way i guess you would say yeah i mean it's like it's kind of directly in the wheelhouse of a lot of these people that like oh no the only thing that matters is like whichever fantasy author i have chosen to like hold up as a a kind of a transphobic thought leader and it's not enough that you've got the biggest most famous and like most yeah financially successful one of all all of them like you have to now just yeah enlist the help of like of the dead ones as yeah. well and it's, it's i mean it's it's kind of the same concept of american conservatives talking about what they imagine martin luther king might make of the modern black lives matter movement yeah. and stuff like yeah. that like well he's dead is probably like yeah the most important detail and it's like, just the idea of like, I mean, this was the thing as well as that um, some people were I th uh, drawing comparison to, at the very least, um, I know there was uh, someone positing the idea um, in, I think in a Times column about mm. uh, asking what, uh, one way or the other what Terry Pratchett would have thought about uh, mm. trans people yeah. uh, would be akin to uh, asking Jane Austen, what she thought about kind of modern political mm. issues and stuff like that. And it's like, there is a, uh, like, obvious ridiculousness to that, taking yeah. someone who is like a, basically a historical figure, a 200-year-old historical figure, mm. compared to someone who was alive within the last, like, 10 years, who, and I think just the general, like, the implication of a comment like that, that, oh, it's only within, like, the last decade that trans people have started existing, which mm. is obvious, like, bullshit. Yeah. And... Yeah, just every element of it, to me, is these people having absolutely no clue what they're talking about in just the rabid and unrelenting bigotry and, like, just growing elements of, like, 
fascism that exists within their movement and like I don't know what you can expect from these people because they fucking tried to co-opt like Margaret Atwood as well at that and like the idea that like you could read The Handmaiden's Tale and come away with the idea that like yeah no cemented gender roles are like really like the most important thing and it has to it's all about genitalia and like the ability to to breed guys that's like ultimately what the yeah it just the whole thing just it left me feeling kind of vaguely sick and and sad that this is where we're at yeah i mean it seems like it's been it's been a while since those like i don't know was it like twitter based this whole thing or was it did somebody make a public statement of some sort but like it's been a while and it seems to have like died down and like they've moved on for now uh but it's just it's kind of yeah it there's like a very narrow view that these people have of like how to talk about politics and all of it focuses like on the fact that like these are people who read harry potter and never got over how uh, like that was the best thing that ever happened to them yeah. and it's like it's like it's the same kind of it's i think within the same kind of like type of political I don't want to call it political commentary and stuff, but I think it's, like, a lot of them are the same sorts of people who do that, like, really annoying bit of, like, oh, Joe Biden is a Gryffindor, but Anthony (laughs) Fauci is a Ravenclaw. And it's like, what... What... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's the most annoying type of person to be. Yeah. And it's also, yeah, like, it's kind of hilarious how, yeah, the idea that J.K. Rowling being a transphobe, how many people has that converted to transphobia? Like, it's it's far more important a uh, political issue to, like, decide what you think about it based off, like, what some children's author has said about it. It's uh, And so, but that's the only way that, like, a lot of these people feel that they can communicate about this thing is to just, like, oh, we'll just, like, enlist more and more of these things and try and, like, convince people that an extension of their, like, kind of appreciation of, like fantasy novels has yeah. to be transphobia it's like it's kind of ridiculous and it's like it's, it's hilarious that yeah it's moved from terry pratchett to the fucking taliban now yeah because yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah i mean what was the 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 substance of that was that like oh the taliban will be using like kind of the basic like code of agenda binary to identify which people to oppress in in a very the taliban of, don't care about they them pronouns it's yeah. like yeah i fucking imagine they don't like yeah what, I just yeah it's kind of because it yeah I, remember, I think there was a tweet that was like oh incels know what yeah. a woman is like the taliban know what a woman is like no they <laughs> no they don't the in, the incel oh, it's just also you don't you are like yeah. you are collected in your ignorance which like yeah. well done for grouping yourself that's but the thing like, it's just like all they've done is sort themselves into the category of wrong about gender yeah like along with some of the worst like yeah <laughs> i think yeah it's just oh, yeah. it's truly it would be a thing of like utter kind of like laughable ridicule if it wasn't mm-hmm. like if these people didn't have broadsheet columns and yeah. just have already like such a grasp on so many different elements of like English media, at least, that they're now, yeah, almost like fucking, like, pogs just trying to, like, collect, like, extra authors Mm. and, like, extra people and figures who, like, people enjoy their works and just, like, co-opt them into their, like, Mm. hateful, hateful movement. Yeah. Um, It's hilarious as well, because weren't we talking just on, like, Saturday morning about, like, we were joking about this very thing. It's like, how long until, like, there's a... Because, I mean... There have been, like, any number of, like, ridiculous, like, alliances formed 
between turfs and like literally anyone who will like align with them on any tiny minute detail yeah. about i mean they're kind of like hand in hand with like just the remnants of like gamergate and stuff yeah. like this now and it's just like yeah and i think like the most egregious part of it to me is the notion of like ownership of other people in the way or at least in the way that other people are presenting where like so much of these people brushing up against reality and having to come up with rules that define how they interact with the world around them comes down to like i need to be able to look at you a stranger on the street mm. and be able to immediately visually tell every aspect of your identity and history otherwise you are committing violence against me and that that's that thing of like it I, it genuinely doesn't feel that far from the point of view. Yeah, we need these people to, like, wear signs and things in order to, yeah. like, there needs to be some kind of, like, QR code that I can scan in order to, like, find out that this person <laughs> is non-binary. It's just, like, it's... it's kind of, it's, And it's fucking ridiculous. It's in just the worst elements of kind of control and authoritarianism and, mm. like, for the purpose of bigotry that yeah. these people really, in their kind of... I think in their long-term fantasies really want to implement mm -hmm. um but it does sit in a really kind of like just grim and awful place yeah on that happy note yeah <laughs> yeah i often like i don't know about you but i find i get like sometimes thinking about all of these things just a little bit bogged down and just the extent of like just yeah horrible shit that people are saying online but i guess the thing to always bear in mind is just kind of like going out and like showing solidarity and like making sure it's like an issue that people know about and attending like i know that there was like a protest at like downing street on the 6th of this month and it's just like i guess keeping an eye out for things like that like petitioning mps where that's viable and all that kind of thing um and yeah just trying to show support mm -hmm. yeah we'll throw some links to some resources in the description uh about where you can get help uh when it comes to writing to your QMP and um yeah they have like i think hmm. yeah i think yeah. they have like links of like um yeah just upcoming yeah. events and stuff like that so yeah we'll throw that up specifically kind of like going back to the, just the protest earlier in the month yeah the the full reform of the gender recognition act yeah. which i think is kind of one of the main thrusts of kind of uh, yeah just petitioning the current government yeah. and um, anyone who happens to be a constituent of uh, Liz Truss as well if you want to set her bins on fire or something like that I'm sure that you can blame it on us we're fully supportive of I mean Liz Truss is one of the names that's been uh, kind of listed as potential replacements to Rishi Sunak <laughs> oh my god <laughs> which yeah I mean I don't know what to make of those headlines yeah. earlier in the week that he might be demoted but fucking hell wouldn't that be hilarious <laughs> conservative civil war yes <laughs> it's horrendous yeah. isn't it like, I mean he's not the only there's yeah, there's been definite effort since like the kind of relaxation of covid restrictions for there just to be kind of silence basically coming out of the the official channels um and yeah just as little information coming out of the government as possible about just about anything as they headed into recess and, yeah. and but it's been it seems to have been definitely a thing for a while of just yeah kind of number 10 shutting up basically anyone who isn't number 10 yeah um within the government and i mean i don't know what your view would be on this but i wonder if we spoke about uh in one of our previous episodes just about like cummings and his like unbelievable like kind of self-focused like 
fan fiction that he'd been writing basically in that like yeah. ridiculous Twitter thread. But I wonder yeah. if that's the extent to which, because you know, it's and we made mention of it before the way in which he was like protecting Sunak, protecting Gove, and everything that he was saying. And I'm, is it beyond the pale to think that that might actually just be having a concrete effect on the way in which like Boris Johnson, being who he is, is interacting with his cabinet members at this point? Yeah, I mean, it's just about the most like plausible thing to imagine that there's just an air of suspicion like within the cabinet and like he it's funny i don't think boris johnson's got too much to be scared of because he is again like just about the most like personally popular member of the government apart from maybe rishi sunak which is kind of hilarious because yeah yeah there was the idea i think early last year um around the beginning of the first lockdown that rishi sunak had like done a good job of doing an audition for the next Mm -hmm. to be next tory leader and it's you... very it's very satisfying to know that even if it comes at the like at the cost of there being more Boris Johnson for the foreseeable future or pretty much anyone else who would be in the field that like yeah the just that smug little prick who like climbed on his little step ladder to pretend that he was walking out of his own personal fortune to like keep people keep people's livelihoods intact while not doing that while yeah. like just not extending sick leave not yeah not doing anything really beyond the bare minimum uh, and yeah pretending all the while that it was like he was doing some sort of favor to to the country yeah. and then seeing that that worked in the way that it made him the most popular politician in most like polling uh, at that period and yeah you had like him dressed up in like superman outfits for bbc coverage at the time and you mean tell me that you weren't Unbelievably enamoured with Dishy Rishi, was that not? <laughs> no, I was, and I still am. And this is my, <laughs> uh, this is my way to try and get his attention. Hopefully, by playing playing hard to get. <laughs> Rishi, if you're listening, eat out to help out. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the yeah. You've got to take the small victories. Even yeah. if that means like Tories beating other Tories, at least a Tory lost. Yeah. So I mean, you want someone to be just offering some kind of disquiet or sense mm. of disruption to like yeah. the government as a whole and fuck it if it's other Tory cabinet members at this point mm. I'll take it oh, I don't know what else to take yeah I mean it just the way he looks like he's just been dipped in butter all the time <laughs> yeah he's is yeah. he comes from the David Cameron school of kind of outward yeah. presentation where it's just kind of buffed to a high sheen yeah <laughs> So that's a fairly natural transition, or would be a natural transition, into Tories Suck, which I will be taking over for this week. But instead I'm going to let you do Labour Sucks first. Why, thank you. Yeah, so I've been having a little bit of a look over uh, things that have been going on with Labour in the last week. And the thing that I guess drew most attention for me um, was the the story around Keir and his hatred Mm. And bloodlust for alpacas. Um, so <laughs> this was the story about there is uh, an alpaca um, called Geronimo. Friend of the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there'll be a link in the description of uh, <laughs> uh, a picture of Geronimo, the han- handsomest alpaca ever there was. <laughs> ever to contract TB. <laughs> Apparently it's disputed. Um, but yeah, Well, so- he was ordered for destruction after twice testing positive for TB. Well, so this is, this is true. So there was um, a bit of a uh, popular petition that I think went around for a while because there was this alpaca that had been being kept by a private individual. Uh, it tested positive for TB a couple of times, but the person who owned it said that they didn't I uh, think those were legitimate st- tests up to the standard of the law. Kind of went back and forth. Um, and it was kind of 
put forward as a throwaway question to Keir Starmer. I think it's fair to say it wasn't like kind of anyone digging for a central point of policy of his about alpacas or anything to do with that. Um, but it was just put to him as something that I know that like a bunch of celebrities, I think Joanna Lumley had like kind of shared a petition about like save Geronimo and all that kind of thing. Um, I mean, I will sign anything Joanna Lumley <laughs> wants me to, but that's a personal <laughs> fixation. <laughs> that's, that's a private matter. Um, but yeah, and so no, Keir was asked about this and uh, came back uh, somewhat unsurprisingly, given the kind of timbre of everything else that he's been saying, just in support of the government, in, in support of the, the government's position. A on sharp break from... <laughs> <laughs> just the... Um, that it was a vital matter and that there was unfortunately, uh, despite the high emotions around this, a, a, a real need uh, to uh, have Geronimo put down um, for... Uh, really for the good of the entire herd, um, if you want to put it that way. And, I mean, in and of itself, this isn't, like, something... I'm not going to, like, ridicule Keir Starmer for having a particular kind of violent outlook towards towards alpacas. Um, But it's more just... For me, I find it to be quite a bizarre and quite a funny, like example and case study of just the exact way that you can expect Keir Starmer to respond to any political issue at the moment, which is just to look at what the government has said, as long as it falls in line with something to do with, like, just the um, reinforcement of current laws, he will just back them to the hilt and occasionally say that, actually, no, the one thing that Labour would do would be to go further, which I would have loved in this scenario. For Labour to come out as its first kind of point of key public policy really in the last year to just say that it was down for a just full call on every alpaca in the country, I think would have made for a very nice piccolo <laughs> within political discourse. I mean, you'd uh, you'd be able to enlist the the help of uh, David Lammy and West Streeting doing one of their like walking past a semi detached house videos. And... <laughs> Every day, alpacas walk through these streets, yeah. which are paid for with your council tax, <laughs> intercut with like August twenty eleven riot footage and yeah, yeah, like, alpaca faces kind yeah. of like spliced in. Alpacas injecting each other with unidentified substances and <laughs> heavily doctors' images of them like sitting in bed sits and anything else. But yeah, it's it's yeah. like I guess this is it's less of a serious point. But as I say, it's just it. I find it deeply depressing in yeah. the way that I find everything to do with like the current Labour leadership deeply yeah. depressing. But it's it's like uh, yeah, just the most kind of like trivial example of like the yeah the complete like noise around the Labour Party when it comes to kind of yeah there being just. A, a really unsatisfying meme to policy ratio and yeah. this is very much in yeah a kind of just like a, a thing that people thought was funny that Keir Starmer was asked in a very self-serious way about the the fate of one particular privately owned alpaca yeah. and that kind of cutting through in terms of yeah media coverage more than just about anything of substance that he's had to say about yeah. policy to Basically, this stage of his leadership. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this is the, and I yeah. I guess I don't know. To get a little bit serious with it for a second, it's like there are. It's just the full knowledge that there are things going on, and there are direct and active decisions that this government is currently taking that are just some of the like cruelest things that could be done to some of the most vulnerable people. And his office and his just general leadership has absolutely nothing to say on this. Like mm. it's this thing has like. <laughs> The alpaca issue, mm. if you want to call it that, has like has 
uh, come hand in hand um, with yeah, just news that there were going to be like further fucking deportation flights to like Jamaica in the last few days, and that is literally something that there has been absolutely nothing from the Labour office about. Yeah. At all. It's been down to, like, individual MPs and, like, union leaders and stuff like that and, like, activists to just make some noise about this and nothing has come from him. It's just, like, fucking sickening. Mm. Yeah. I feel like we do this a lot. We'll just kind of talk something fairly trivial into something incredibly depressing and then stop there and then do the same thing again. (laughs) I I mean, this is the thing. It's just one of these things of, like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think that's just like it's yeah maybe quite like a serious point to end it off on but it's if there is a true way in which Labour sucks at the moment it is maybe yeah just taking that as a case study of something that like is just it's a leadership that's focused on like staying unbelievably safe at the moment and only mm. dealing with like this kind of like perfect intersection issue of like something that is both like, within the bounds of law, something that is a type of technical law that really a lot of people aren't going to care about. But it's also, like, a human interest story because it, like, involves an animal. And yeah. it's, like, it's just it's something that, like... Um, yeah, it just seems like this really weird kind of, like... Again, f- feels like some kind of, like, think-tanked response of just being, like... Well, in general, people like to come out on the side of animals. But in mm-hmm. this case, we need to make sure that everyone knows that Labour is the party of law and order. So, no, <laughs> kill Geronimo. That is the line. It just... Yes. <laughs> obscene I mean apparently it's specifically bovine tuberculosis which is Geronimo's not a cow this is disinformation (laughs) I I can understand why the owner would have wanted further tests (laughs) yeah the tests were all to determine whether or not the alpaca was actually a cow and uh, two of them came out positive (laughs) while the uh, the owners insist that it tested four times as negative yeah. for cowness. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, apparently while he was in New Zealand, why is this ca- uh, why is this alpaca going on more holidays than us right now? <laughs> well, I mean, I presume it. Do they buy around. it from New Zealand? Possibly. Mm. I don't know. I'm imagining that it's like from the same sort of like time and period where. Like, you had influencers going out to Dubai and stuff like yeah. that. Maybe it just all fell within that yeah. window. So this is a particularly... This was prior to any, like, case of TB. This was a already famous... Instagram famous alpaca. One can only assume. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. There'll be dozens of Instagram. I'm not even going to bother to check. There'll be dozens and dozens of Instagram <laughs> accounts dedicated to this. It's, a, it's, our, it's our Harambe. <laughs> I think Harambe was our Harambe. I don't know. Well, I mean, that was America got to claim that. Sadly. Oh, okay, but, yes. But, okay. And yeah, I mean, alpacas versus gorillas. What? Which is cooler? Which is a more? I mean, gorillas look like people, but alpacas look like alpacas. <laughs> and this alpaca looks more like a gorilla than any alpaca I've ever seen. Again, photo in the description. <laughs> I, that is very hard call. Um, All the pictures l- make it look like it knows about its death and has done for several years. <laughs> like it was told by a Do by a, a witch in the woods about how and when it would die, and it's just kind of like solemnly like just taken that knowledge on and is trying to present a brave face. I want to commission the like kind of art house lifetime film about Geronimo, just it kind of like staring wistfully out windows at the like Yorkshire Moors or whatever, yeah. is it like time comes to terms with yeah. its own existence? Yeah. Geronimo a week after it's uh, his execution has been cast as Heathcliff in a stage production <laughs> of Wuthering Heights. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's a uh, government eat alpaca world out there. <laughs> 
this week in Tory suck. I so it's like it, we're going to scratch the the tip of the iceberg of the broad issue of Afghanistan, hmm. and we're recording on Monday. So like God knows what the situation there will be come Friday when we will probably be releasing this episode, yeah. but. Um, there's one thing that, like, again, it's one of the more trivial details, but I suppose that's what this segment's for. But just the tweet from Dominic Raab yesterday as a recording on the 15th of August. Um, so, yeah, Dominic Raab, the Conservative Party's resident Instagram thought, decided that he was <laughs> he was going to kind of re- like wade into the issue from the confines of his, like, holiday destination, no doubt. The tweet reads... Shared my deep concerns about the future for Afghanistan with Foreign Minister Qureshi. Agreed it is critical that the international community is united in telling the Taliban that the violence must end and human rights must be protected. So that's in reference to uh, Foreign Minister Qureshi of Pakistan, who... We we could have an entire podcast episode or podcast series about this subject, or Foreign Minister Qureshi himself, but this is somebody who has flipped between a religious populist party who tried to undermine the elected democratic socialists in the 90s to then that democratic socialist party and, hmm. and then turned them basically into a massive criminal syndicate which embezzled hundreds of millions of rupees out of the country. Yeah. Uh, and then flitched over to another bunch of religious populists who are currently in government now um, who were created ostensibly for the purpose of basically undoing the corruption they identified with the party that this man was previously a member of. So it's like, that's just the... the, Him and Dominic Raab have got together and they've put their heads together and they're going to fix this 20 years on from the... And, I mean, yeah, I... Again, it's just like, yeah, the idea that, like, Dominic Raab, a man who was, like... Who has been basically sidelined for the entire, like... Like, the entire existence of the post-2019... Yeah, for this current version of Parliament has yeah, been entirely sidelined because yeah. he's basically somebody who is recognised by the current Conservative cabinet as one of the stupidest people who has yeah. ever held the office. Now is the time. It's the 11th hour. Yeah. <laughs> it's Dominic Raab's time to shine. He's going to fix this all for us. And, I mean, on the note... I mean, the, the note of human rights... Just a couple of quotes from the the past. So this is in an interview some years ago. My name is Dominic Grubb and I'm a Tory. I don't support the Human Rights Act and I don't believe in economic and social rights. So there, that's just that's just a little taste. Uh, also, just I mean, it's it's not something directly alluded to in this tweet, but he, the it's kind of a, a line of basically foreign policy hawks and neoconservatives of this tradition in the West in general, that, like, the entire purpose of the original invasion of Afghanistan was to protect women. Yeah. That was the only reason America ever went there. That's the only reason America fights any war hmm. in, the, in the 21st century. And, yeah, just on that note, Dominic Graff, quote, Feminists are now amongst the most obnoxious bigots. No. <laughs> King hell. Um, I mean, I find it so... That... I enjoy the kind of... Um, uh, the framing and the phrasing with which uh, he spoke about human rights there because it was in the terms of like a repentant Tory who was kind of going to some equivalent of like, I don't know, like just right-wing AA meetings and just kind of, hello, my name is Dominic and I don't believe in human rights. It'd be yeah. like, hello, Dominic. And it's been, <laughs> it's been 15 days since my last de- deportation. Like all that. It's just, yeah, it's the way in which he like, just the way in which he's so banally able to frame his own evil is like, I, I don't know, impressive in a way. Yeah, deeply upsetting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the, like Dominic Rob's part in this entire twenty year like imperialist adventure 
is a very small one, yeah. <laughs> admittedly. But like, I think it's just it kind of it's just the the tone of that tweet and the kind of the the issues more broadly of like if you look at like yeah the the kind of the, the words of his direct counterpart in the United States uh, Anthony Blinken the, who said just yesterday this is not Saigon which is deeply deeply reassuring yeah the, 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 yeah again like Dominic Raab isn't going to play a huge part in this however he imagines his place to be yeah. in in this whole thing but yeah, maybe it's getting away from the subject. But yeah, just the words of Tony Blinken, like, who doesn't need to put his head out like this, but yeah. basically insisted that the United States' original objectives had been fulfilled. Yeah. And, I mean, those objectives were what to find and kill Osama bin Laden, ostensibly. Yeah. The, yeah, almost a year before the September 11th attacks, the Taliban offered... Osama bin Laden to US officials in a, in a meeting in Germany. They repeated this offer weeks after that, and then they repeat this offer weeks after the invasion, and at each point were refused. Yeah. And so, the idea that I mean that was a Clinton administration, so I can understand why Blinken would be determined to apologise for the hero of absolutely every liberal idiot in his entire administration and his entire section of the Democratic Party. But yeah. there's there's such a universal idea this this idea that exists yeah across the western world that there is nothing that there is nothing that seeks to serve the basically the imperial objectives of the U- the united states that can ever be understood as having been wrong-headed at any point yeah and it's it's why people like yeah blinken people like rob people like biden people like obama like will never be able to express any shame about things that yeah. like a child of six could explain was wrong yeah like I mean, because if they tried to do that, I think they just, it would be disingenuous in their part, yeah. because I just don't think that they like, you look at, this is like, a, this complex has been going on for like nearly as long as we've been alive. Yeah. And it's something that has seen mass like profits for like American arms manufacturers. There's nothing that uh, an arms manufacturer loves more than a perpetual war and mm. a perpetual conflict to which they can kind of, yeah, just add a unbelievable amount of military infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, fuck, like, alongside that, everything to do with just, like, rampant, like, drug smuggling and stuff like mm. that that has been shown from, like, kind of first-hand accounts to have, like, been openly within the wheelhouse of certain, like, US personnel that have been within Afghanistan. And, yeah, just all of these elements, I think it, like, the truly upsetting and, like, tragic thing is when they, say, go in with um, these... uh, When they go in with this insistence that what they're doing is kind of on behalf of, say, like, the liberation of uh, women in the country or something like that. It's the point at which they've decided there is no longer a... There is no longer enough of uh, a profit or a benefit to be made out of it that they can just, like, pull out and pull the plug and, Mm -hmm. like, remove their entire presence from this kind of artificial structure and artificial, like, state infrastructure that they have built up around themselves that really, for ultimately, again, very, very cynical reasons some of the people that they do end up leaving behind are those women. Women who have, like, been out and uh, studying in, like, American universities that have been set up in the country and stuff like that, who now have absolutely no level of protection Mm -hmm. and 
have to basically flee and put themselves in an unbelievable amount of jeopardy as part of a situation that they had no knowledge going into was going to be as temporary as it is. It's just, it's fucking tragic. And it just speaks to a kind of like cynicism that belies anything that the US claims about its just effectively its empire building. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I, as even with the costs that it comes with, like I, I'm suspicious of anyone who tries to obfuscate the, the basic fact that a US, US withdrawal was necessary so long ago mm. and I mean I, it goes without saying but ideally no invasion in the first place yeah. to to serve a disingenuous yeah. purpose like, like this was and I mean yeah you, you made mention of it but yeah it's basically been like a 20 year kind of yeah 20 year long racket run by clandestine like state sanctioned drug smugglers and weapons manufacturers um and yeah basically the the idea is that well my idea at least is that there's no there's no way in which a u.s withdrawal isn't necessary yeah if not ideal yeah but the yeah it would be a good thing were that actually the case but all this is is a move to a different mode of imperial management yeah because it's already the case that i mean at the point where, before even the uh, United States had declared it was going to withdraw, there were already there was already military intelligence that suggested that Kabul would fall within the year. Yeah. Because half of the country had been retaken, including virtually the entire north of the country. Yeah. And it was basically just it's almost, yeah, it's almost kind of comical that this was basically an effort to like for the for the US to withdraw and then to be able to allow enough time for it to look like the Taliban. Sort of recapture of the entire country was just a, a preventable uh, accident that happened long after the yeah. US had left a sturdy kind of a, yeah a robust set of institutions and internal like security apparatus within the country but no they've it's like yeah what's been left by the United States was only put up there to serve political purposes yeah. um it was yeah i mean this entire time it's been a puppet government yeah. and a set of political institutions that don't serve any purpose other than optics and yeah. in like uh, yeah the op- optics in basically for western political audiences and to basically justify a yeah completely unjustifiable military intervention in the first place and you yeah you've had uh, a set of failed negotiations with various central asian countries to this point where um the us wanted to place military installations to allow it to carry out drone attacks indefinitely within Afghanistan to serve like their kind of continuing strategic interest in the country. Yeah. Um, you've had, you even had failed negotiations with Russia to lease Russian military installations. You've had uh, failed negotiations with Turkey for Turkey to maintain as a NATO ally, a permanent uh, presence in Kabul. So yeah. they have basically exhausted every uh, option where their stated purpose was to stay in the country forever yeah. and for it to basically operate as a heavily racialized 51st state. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, you're, you're never going to have any serious calls from within... Yeah. You're never going to have any serious calls from within the security or intelligence community for the frontier of the empire to be pulled back. Yeah. You, why Why would you? Mm. The, America is there. They've, they've demonstrated that there's they've got no qualms with well 
denying healthcare to people at home, spending trillions of dollars in unwinnable and unwinnable forever wars abroad. And that's kind of what it comes down to in the end is the like complete lack of shame and lack of vision of the pretty much the entire Western political class yeah. across political ba- uh, boundaries where you've got, yeah, the current Democratic US Secretary of State defending a... So you've got basically across the board with the current administration and just a unified voice in defense of a, a, a war perpetrated by, again, one of the most widely acknowledged, like, just pig-headed, like, ignorant oaf of a president yeah. who's probably ever, like, occupied the office. Yeah. Um, to just today as well, you've got... Um, Emmanuel Macron, uh, there, there's a headline from AFP. Macron vows EU initiative to protect against migrant flows from Afghanistan. Yeah. So already the EU has decided to like put up its walls and say that, yeah, sorry, this was very expensive for us yeah. and um, we just have no interest in dealing yeah. with any of the, the consequences. And you can expect to see similar things coming from the Home Office in this country where they've already announced that they're going to, they're going to ad- adopt a bespoke arrangement, which will mean... 12 translators will be relocated back to the UK yeah. and they'll just kind of watch through binoculars as the entire country yeah. like carries on burning as it has been since the like Soviet yeah. invasion in 1979. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you had the, the, the reports of the British ambassador in Afghanistan um, sitting just within the airport, basically uh, trying his best to process people's um, asylum applications mm. uh, as quickly as he could. And... That, I am certain, is in no small part due to the way in which the Home Office in this country currently functions is not to consider any case based on its actual value, but look at it for any possible errors or problems within the body of, like, yeah, this Byzantine application in order to just turn people away callously Mm. on technicalities. And it's just, I, like... Some people have pointed to that and that ambassador as an example of some kind of, like... Uh, an element of uh, good that's been enacted through all of this, but to be honest, I find it hard not to just find it incredibly depressing that the stage that you're at is a one small actions kind of blunt the edge of just cruelty that is being inflicted upon like Afghan people mm-hmm. is just one official trying to actually do his job to the spirit of it as opposed to kind of the lesser of what. Pretty Patel once, effectively. Yeah. It yeah, from start to finish, it just I it occurs to me as well that there's it it's just an example of the different forms of violence and damage that can be inflicted upon a country. Because exactly as you said, there's uh so much of what was built up and put into place uh in the country over the last 20 years uh was really for foreign audiences. It was to uh give this kind of like two-dimensional veneer of something much more substantial in the way of like kind of uh like modern western state building effectively and trying to yeah just build up uh something that could make it seem like the military occupation was on the basis of some kind of humanitarian mission but it's just been shown so quickly the capitulation has been so fast that Mm. it just it's like watching a fucking eggshell shatter yeah. this thing has absolutely no substance behind it mm. and there was no attempt to put in anything that could last beyond the withdrawal mm. and it is it's just a manifestation of un, like incredible cruelty yeah 
I mean, um, it's it's hilarious, like the kind of the the type of coverage you've seen, where like I'm sure most people are listening to this have had their like phones filled up with notifications of like kind of a almost a play by play of the yeah. of, of the Taliban reconquering the the entire country. Um, whereas there was, as, by an extension, there was this idea that like for the vast like for for the entire period between the initial invasion till now there was relative peace within the country there was yeah. like minor yeah minor infractions between a kind of a retreating taliban and like us backed forces mm. um but that was yeah that stuff's not really that important that's just necessary yeah state state building it's like it's it's probably not the absolute headline of this but i can't help but think that an extension of this type of media coverage of this particular episode within the overall kind of 20-year period of invasion and occupation yeah. um, has been covered in this particular tone when there was very little to say about basically two decades of routine like US state-sanctioned like executions, yeah. drone strikes, like scores of civilians just killed yeah. virtually daily, places like schools and hospitals. I mean, CIA operations where kids were rounded up um, and executed for attending religious school. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got, yeah, US kind of allies in the region who've been involved in the systematic rape of young boys who the administration has, uh, yeah, ca- cases in which the administrations of George Bush and Barack Obama and Donald Trump have ordered US operatives in the area to ask no questions about. Yeah. Um, uh, the idea then that a country kind of reconquered from those forces. Yeah, I, I can't make, I can't articulately make that point yeah. at this stage. But um, yeah, the idea that there is something that's uniquely tragic about this episode that hasn't been uh, the basic logic of this entire military adventure yeah. is kind of the most like ironic and depressing element of it it's like you can you can pick problems with both the people the, the camps who say that oh no we were we were literally minutes away we should have just yeah stayed we were, in for yeah why, why not just stay there for just a little bit longer yeah. surely there's like something that the dominic rubs of the world can contribute yeah. to this and also the the camp that has celebrated the military evacuation as a like restoration of some sort of natural order that is exactly what that is exactly what people in Afghanistan deserve yeah um both of them yeah just kind of reek of like kind of just different flavors of kind of yeah imperial and colonial adventures from centuries ago whether it's a civilizing mission or the like this this these are people who cannot be ruled and therefore deserve eternal punishment yeah um which is ultimately of their own creation yeah it's like I, I realized this started off well, uh, Dominic Raab tweet and we've ended up here but that's kind of our hello yeah. at this point but that's the thing I think it just goes to underline that like there is nothing that you can expect of the like pointless gesticulations of someone like Dominic Raab yeah. to affect any kind of like solution or just any kind of constructive work to any of this he exists as hot air that just manifests itself occasionally and I guess more than anything just the notion that he might think that anything that he has to say or to contribute to this issue has any kind of material effect uh, on the lives of people who are at the sharp edge of it is just 
horrendous. Yeah. Happy episode. <laughs> okay, we need a, a shot of happiness in the arm. Sure. Uh, I'll try my best. This is a new segment that we're going to try out called Starmer or Stalin. Good, good, good. Because <laughs> that makes it sound like an Irish name. Starmer yeah. or Stalin. <laughs> so, yeah. Five quotes. John will try and figure out whether these are quotes of Keir Starmer or Joseph Stalin. Is there a big cash prize at the end? There's a big cash prize in the sense of a lack of cash that I will take from you if you I see. successful. I'll accept it on so those, you, you on those will, terms. You will stay as cashed up as you currently are. And Well, it can't get worse, so... <laughs> <laughs> sure, let's yeah. go into it. It's just a spirit of competition. I know you're competing against... My no, own failure. <laughs> no, I'm down for that. Yeah. Well, that won't make for much of a change. I'm in familiar territory. And by all means, feel free to play along at home and um, send us your scores <laughs> and um, we'll uh, send out a shiny postcard yep. to the winner, which will feature a picture of us. Uh... No, keep going. I want to know what this is going to be. <laughs> TBC. Cool. We can at least promise that we will also not come and rob you, if you win. Yeah. If you win. We promise to not rob any of our listeners. <laughs> Shall we begin? Yes. Okay, so, I'm going to start off yeah, with a couple of easy ones and then I'll get slightly harder as they go along. Sure. So, number one, quote, I wouldn't characterise myself as a bleeding heart liberal, whatever that is. A starmer? Yes. Correct. Thank God. Yes. Okay, one in one. So that's uh, that was Keir Starmer in a 2009 interview with The Guardian while he was director of public prosecutions. Motherfucker. Right. <laughs> okay, number two. One death is a tragedy, one million is a statistic. Stalin. That was Starmer. That was, <laughs> what? That was Keir Starmer in 2020 discussing the death of Captain Tom and why that was so much more important than all the other ones. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I couldn't believe that either. I thought that I, like that's the one that's always attributed to to Joseph Stalin. But it's, no, apparently, it's one of uh, history's biggest. Hmm. Um, <laughs> it's one of history's most famous misquotes. Is that for, for decades that's been attributed to <laughs> Joseph Stalin? But sure. Uh, there was a time traveller who. <laughs> sure, a big, lank-haired time traveller. <laughs> oh, good grief. So, it was Stalin, wasn't it? It was, it was, it was, it was Keir Starmer, John. <laughs> okay, number three. So, you're, you're doing, you're doing okay, you know, one, one out of two. Mm-hmm. There's still chance of an, there's still a chance for a near perfect score. You know, I feel like I'm having the wool pulled over my eyes in some <laughs> sense in this competition, but do carry on, do carry on. <laughs> that will be the fault of one of history's greatest liars, Keir Starmer. <laughs> Uh, okay, quote number three. The nature of the final Brexit deal really matters. It is, as I have said before, the battle of our times. I mean, that was very clearly Starmer. That was Joseph Stalin. Joseph Stalin said that on the eve of the Battle of Stalingrad <laughs> on the 22nd of August 1942, which, relative yeah. to the battle for Brexit, was a relatively minor skirmish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow, I uh, suck at this. That was um, a battle... This is, uh, aside from the topic, mm. but that was a battle part of the, as part of the broader Operation Uranus, which is my favourite... <laughs> Military operation in history. Now, was that the one that involved HGV drivers, or am I thinking of a different one? Oh, you're going to have to fill me in on... So, were there, like, Ford Transit van people who were... Um... I, I, 
my full knowledge is that as um, it was a kind of like it was a uh, French forces of Waterloo type thing where they kind of expected reinforcements to come, but because of uh, the brokered Brexit deal, there was a uh, shortage of reinforcements that could make it uh, mm. to kind of support the French <laughs> military infrastructure in time, and so they ultimately lost the battle. Mm. Yeah. Number four. <laughs> <laughs> Quote number four. So, how are you doing score-wise? Uh, I think I am... Uh, one in three. One, we can bring one in back. three. Yeah, yeah, no, I can still... Three out of five ain't bad. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, quote number four. When we hang the capitalists, they will sell us the ropes we use. I... That... I'm gonna go out on a limb and say was Stalin... That was Keir Starmer. Wow. Keir Starmer said that in the uh, Labour leadership campaign in 2020. <laughs> and uh, hasn't he changed his tune since then? Well, that was just one of the original 12 pledges. That's just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh, you're not doing too well, are you, John? Well, I can, I can bring it back. I mean, 40% yeah. is still a passing percent. Yeah. No, that is true. That's definitely true. Yeah. I'm feeling confident. Quote number five. Yeah. Gaiety is the most outstanding feature of the Soviet Union. I mean, that is it's clear cut to me. That can only be Stalin. That was not Joseph Stalin, I'm afraid. That was Keir Starmer. He said that personally to me <laughs> during a, an evening of passion in St. Petersburg some decades ago. I see. When I the see. world was in uproar and I to a young man it seemed as if anything was possible. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about your time in St. Petersburg. <laughs> I try and forget too. Was it a magical night? I just can't get past how much Sakira's changed. I know. There's certain things that you believe in the flower of youth that just time renders to be Mm. nothing but dust. (laughs) Oh, there we go. One out of five. Mm. Hopefully, I mean, again, like Arsenal, the only way to go is up. Which is ironic because Keir Starmer alleges... Keir Starmer claims to be an Arsenal fan. Yeah. Well, I got... uh, you could call it 20 points out of 100, which is, um, I hope to kind of increase that by a further 20-point lead just any day now. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the hope. I'm afraid that you've taken inspiration in my own political failures and have come up short once again. The, the... Ah, Mr. Stalin, it's wonderful <laughs> to see you. <laughs> Uh, the Starmer impression is hard because you, you start off like this and, th- and then if you go into your nose a bit and become a bit posher it becomes Adam Curtis yeah it's very difficult a, a man who doesn't believe in the existence of neoliberalism <laughs> and so doubts John's very existence not this again uh, well yeah. I, I feel uh, I thoroughly <laughs> humiliated yeah. did you have fun John? Uh, did you enjoy yourself? I did not I will be back again next week yes. for another <laughs> Well, episode three. Yep. Did you enjoy yourself? I realise I've just asked you that, but I... speaking of the episode more generally. Largely, I think I did, yes. Yeah. Um, it was touch and go in the middle when we were both <laughs> on the verge of tears, but we yep. brought it back with a... I will come back yeah. and have another. Yeah. We'll do... Maybe we'll do another quiz next time. Yes. Well, very quickly, where can they find us? Um, here. Here, here, with us. You're with already us. here you're and already with us here. listening. Yes, you're already, you've already found uh, our bosom. <laughs> but and if our alongside our, the cradling of our bosom you would also <laughs> like to uh, follow a Twitter account, where would that Twitter account be? You've already found your way to our bosom. <laughs> but if we were to... If you were to... <laughs> we're on Twitter at... Left at home pod, and so all our updates for future episodes will be up there. Um, 
it just remains for me to put them out on time. Yeah. Every time. Until that point. Yeah. Um, and yeah, um, I mean, you're listening to this, so you've already found us, but the people, you must lead the people. <laughs> it's your job now to go forth and spread the word. So we've done everything. with that. We've been here for hours. We've been doing everything we can. What? <laughs> now it's time for you to do something for us. First. <laughs> it's always been, it's all been leading to this. We, um, we ask very little of our listeners. We mainly give. <laughs> um, yeah, no, if you want to spread the word, that's fine. But if you'd rather keep this as a dirty little secret just between us, God. that's just, that's just fine. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna round this out now. Um, yeah. I thank you for listening. Yeah, we should, um, we should say, uh, uh, t- uh, happy Friday happy Friday TGIF <laughs> um, yeah thanks for listening as always and um, we'll see you next week good night everybody good night good night